1: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
0: Let's talk a bit about the matter of finding the ability to demonstrate gratitude in the midst of brokenness and sickness and the turmoil that life just tends to hand us. Best-selling author Cynthia Rukti joins us today. She's got a couple of new books out that we've discussed on the program, Tattered and Mended, The Art of Healing the Wounded Soul and Ragged Hope. And Cynthia, great to have you with us we sometimes get caught up in this matter of happiness that is a fleeting experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, if if you're driving to go see friends and family on Thanksgiving and you get pulled over by the CHP and handed a ticket, you're probably not going to be happy, (laughs) but there's a lot that you can still be blessed about, isn't there? (laughs) Yeah,
1: that's so true. You know, I think one of the things that that many times when we're in a in a whether it's a season a short season or a long prolonged season of the kind of grief that really rocks us is that we know we're supposed to be grateful and we have a hard time manufacturing gratitude and then guilt's voice rises above all the others and says well what I know I'm supposed to be grateful that this is making me feel worse now. What happened to my faith? What's wrong with me? I should be able to pull out some measure of gratitude in the middle of this. And for some people, it is just, it, it, no matter how strong their faith, it's a very difficult thing to do. There's one thought that I've been thinking about lately, Craig, that I, I hope will bring some insight into this. And that is that we were to- we are told in God's Word that jesus was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him with his stripes we are healed there are other versions that say by his wounds we are healed it's what shredded him that brings about the healing that we need he went through every possible torment and there's an element of that that causes us to know Faith doesn't mean that we will not feel. Jesus felt his wounds, and many of them were soul wounds, not just the wounds in his flesh, but the betrayal that he knew and the, the that sting of that and that stark absence and that sense of abandonment that he felt when he was on the cross and he felt that his Father had turned his face away during that time. And, and even, even with that, God seemed so we would assume so traumatized by seeing his son dying, bearing the weight of the world on his shoulders, that that's what made that darkness to fall. And yet we can take comfort in that somehow because we don't serve a God who doesn't get it. He hasn't laid out this faith plan or a life plan for that matter that ignores pain or expects pain not to register because we're people of faith. If anything we feel it more deeply. We are still human. We're new creations, as this word says, but we feel we, we are human and our capacity for empathy and compassion skyrockets when we begin to see others through his eyes. So here we are in this place where we long to express gratitude. We want to feel it, but instead what we feel is the sting and the wounds and the abandonment and the the pain and our loss, and God is there saying, I completely understand how you feel I created you to feel.
0: You know what's interesting? We have to, I think, make an important um, distinction here for listeners. There's a a tune that um, I think Tony Bennett sang that came from a musical back probably in the 1950s um, called Put on a Happy Face. And it talks about taking off the gloomy mask of tragedy and uh, brushing off the clouds and things of this sort. I think we have to be perhaps cautious here, Cynthia, that we're not trying to conjure up a a sense of phoniness here uh, because, you know, so often even Christians uh, will be accused of, you know, kind of uh, stuffing our feelings and putting on a happy face um, when in reality we're hurting. And, you know, it's okay that we hurt. And God has given us those feelings for a reason. I suppose it's what we do with that feeling, with that energy, how we channel it, how we use it. You know, I'm, I'm... reminded of the notion that it's one thing to say that we are, for example, grateful in our suffering mm-hmm. versus the notion of being grateful for our suffering. And maybe that, that kind of shifts up the whole perspective on this, doesn't it?
1: Ooh, and and how and where does that gratitude come from? Sometimes it comes from walking with God long enough to realize that he doesn't waste any of this pain, that he has his designs and his purposes when his children suffer. I, I don't know. Now, it's been a while maybe since some of us have experienced this, but way back when I was a child, if there was a newborn born with legs that weren't straight, now obviously this still happens today, weren't, weren't straight and strong, what oftentimes had to happen was that the phys- physician would intentionally break that little newborn's legs and cast them in the right direction so that they would grow straight and strong like they should. And can you imagine our looking at those parents and saying, how cruel are you to allow your child to go through this? And yet it was for that purpose for, or for that holy process that was going to bring about exactly what that child needed in order to get the most out of life in order to be able to participate in everything that that child could have the chance to participate in and to bring it to a place of no pain, to bring that child to a place of no pain. And sometimes we look at God and we think, there's such a there's an element of cruelty here in what I have borne in these last months or weeks, or that wasn't funny at all, God, that you, well, even in your situation, that, that both parents are gone within the space of so few months. and And yet we know, we know in the depths of our hearts, it is not because he is cruel. It is, he has more compassion than we could ever imagine, but there is, a purpose and a time and sometimes we can't even see that purpose but you're so right we can't just put on a happy face pretend this doesn't hurt but maybe what we're instead saying is nevertheless let me spell it out for you this is how deeply I'm aching and hurting but nevertheless I will still praise my God because I know his heart and I know he's going to bring me through this to something that I I couldn't imagine
0: a lot of this then is a matter of changing our perspective then, isn't it? Because it's easy for us to look at our circumstances and develop the pity party and the woe oh, was me and see things where, where we're at in the middle of all of this as opposed to seeing it from God's perspective. Mm.
1: Uh, the other day I was on my way to this uh, appointment in town. It was an unpleasant appointment. It wasn't anything too serious, but it was one that I dreaded, and yes, it had to do with dentists and root canals. And I'm heading into town, and as I was driving, I was obviously um, naturally apprehensive about it, and, but I was listening to worship music in the car, because that happens to be one of the ways that my thoughts get pulled back into better alignment, and one of the key ways that I really connect with God and His Word. And the whole world just looked Bleak and gray. This is Wisconsin in November, so the skies were gray and the trees were bare. There was no color anywhere. There wasn't anything blooming anymore. But as I drove along, I, saw, I noticed that in the top of this one bare birch tree sat a bald eagle. And that bald eagle was as black and white as that tree on which it perched. It was It had this posture kind of of confidence and beauty, and that scene looked like a work of art. And as I drove past, I realized that was such a brief moment, but something recalibrated in me. That sight, that art that God created and let me view changed my thoughts for just a moment i was breathing differently because i had been able to set aside what i was dreading and what was ahead for me long enough to notice that so there may be some element of that in all of this is Finding those small things for which to be grateful while we're waiting for those larger answers to come or while we're waiting through those excruciatingly painful seasons of life, it can make a difference. It helps us breathe easier, even if that's just for a brief moment, because we're reminded that God makes art not afterwards, but in the middle of our messes and our distresses.
0: We're going to pause for a moment to come back to more of our conversation on this edition of Lifeline. And we tend in the flesh, I think, to so much look at the loss, the pain, the difficult side of life that we lose perspective on the on-balance aspect of it, of seeing things from God's viewpoint, looking at, at the world through his eyes, his economy, so to speak. And, of course, in changing that that attitude, um, it, it helps us to then refocus and I think better gives the possibility of of developing that sense of, of deep and profound gratitude. A brief timeout, back with more as Lifeline continues.
1: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
0: for are spending some time with bestselling author Cynthia Rukti, gaining some different perspective on this whole matter. It's less about the matter of being happy and rather focusing on a sense of gratitude. And, of course, as we do that, it moves really then it shift the focus, Cynthia, from ourselves to really back to God, which is where it should be in the first place, isn't it?
1: That's so true. That's such a key part of all of this is is that we, we can have our vision on the things that are happening around us. We can have our attention drawn on the pain we all know what that's like to have pain in some part of our body and when our minds get distracted by something else whether that's um something holy sounding like worship or or ministering to somebody else or it's as simple as a book we're reading or a movie we're watching or a conversation with a dear friend we we notice that for those few moments we were able to almost forget the pain not Not completely, but there was that that beautiful um, artwork (laughs) that God does. I I go back to that analogy too often, probably, but that beautiful thing that God does that somehow enables us to be able to put something else at the forefront of our thinking for a few moments. The pain is still there. We can't get away from it. We can't run away from it. That's just going to give more trouble. But, when we're able to turn our thoughts and attention to something else for for a few moments, and oftentimes that is where that that uh work takes place, where we intentionally are looking for things to thank God for in the middle of all of this
0: but let's come to that analogy because I think it's 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 a wonderful one in terms of being illustrative of how we should shift our focus or our perspective on this matter. We're we're not saying we deny that we've been through pain and agony, and there are people listening right now to this conversation, Cynthia, who have lost loved ones this year, they've lost jobs, maybe they have been wounded, uh, horribly so, by a friend, by a spouse, they've gone through divorce, they have had somebody turn on them, whatever the experience might be. And they might say, well, you know, but look at my life my life has become a shambles uh, and oftentimes because of the faults of others the influence of others sometimes just ourselves sometimes it's just a matter of what happens in life and so here suddenly we're saying we're 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 just a broken wreck we're just nothing but but horrible broken little pieces and we feel as if there's no way that those pieces can either be glued back together again mm-hmm. and so as a result, we wish to say that there can be nothing beautiful ever come out of this. And yet I'm reminded, and you talk about this in uh, the book Tattered and Mended, The Art of Healing the Wounded Soul, that if we look at a lot of artwork today, take uh, some of the the phenomenal mosaics that you see, and this is uh, true particularly throughout, um, uh, throughout Europe. I think of my travels in Italy, and you see some of these frescoes or mosaics, rather, that are, that are just stunning um, and and yet, as you get closer up, you begin to realize, well, they're really made out of a lot of misshaped pieces. Almost makes you wonder if the artist didn't take the tile or the glass and just drop it in a big, you know, box on the concrete and bust all the pieces, and then begin taking these mismatched, uneven, no two are alike, broken shards, and begin piecing them together until suddenly. An incredible work of art emerges. Does that analogy apply to what God can do with the broken pieces of our lives?
1: I, I think it's such a clear connection. We see that sometimes because we have lived long enough past the difficult moment to recognize it for ourselves. Sometimes that brokenness that eventually becomes that that piece of artwork isn't visible to us, who were the broken ones, but it might be a next generation that understands that, that sees the art that it has become. That's kind of a sacrifice, and a sacrifice of praise, we might say, in our own lives to just assume that God is going to make something artful out of this ugly mess that we see in front of us, or that we're walking through at the moment. But the truth of the matter is that it it is so often the process of something that is going to bring joy and hope and, uh, and courage to other people when it's done we're all living in the middle of our stories right now there's there isn't a one of us that isn't i think about the the listeners right now probably as you mentioned 2015 and what had happened in that year there are others of us who would say that was my 2012 and still others who would say that was 1982 to the present day everybody can mark mark that period of time in their own lives where there was something that they were going through or someone that they cared about deeply that was going through something so difficult i i have a picture in my mind too of there's that iconic picture that we see once in a while of some of the holocaust victims some of the people who were in the internment camps the prisoners of war um who when they were released and they stood there in this huddle sunken-eyed, the skin was barely clinging to their bones, they were knock-kneed, and uh, some of them had shirts that, that didn't even reach to their knees and no shoes, and they stood in this cluster, having just been freed, with with no color in their face at all. And we who view that picture, we're we're sickened by the sorrows that those people knew. But there's something else, too. We're in awe that somehow they came through all that and oh, the stories that they have to tell about the rescue operations, about the day-to-day graces that somehow they found the strength and the energy to go on. Uh, my mother is one of those people she wasn't in in a in a prisoner of war camp but she was imprisoned by the heart disease that had her in its grip she had endured every heart surgery every treatment that there was available to modern science and years worth of prayers from faithful people the face-filled people but she coded during one medical procedure It took six tries to restart her heart. It actually burned the skin on her chest. Uh, When she woke up and and she realized what had been done to her and that she now had additional misery that she was going to deal with, and she recognized that without that intervention, she could have seen her Jesus face-to-face. She was so disappointed when we walked into her room, when the family was finally allowed into her room. She was crying because she realized that that this body that was failing her, and she'd been so close to the edge of seeing Jesus, and she'd been brought back. So in this weakened state, she was just mourning to the nurse that was standing at her bedside about all she'd been through, the multiple heart attacks, every medication, some of which made the condition worse instead of better, so many surgeries, some which were experimental, then more surgeries, and now this. And this precious young nurse who was wise beyond her years didn't say, oh, I'm so sorry. Instead, she said, Dorothy, what you've come through in with this sense of awe. And that became a new theme song for my mom. Her list of suffering was long, but to that point, she'd come through them all. Now, eventually that pulverized heart of hers landed her in a hospice residence where she lived out her final days but Craig I have to say that those days her last days were among the most productive in the way that she loved and the people she touched and the prayer she prayed for others here was this beauty and it came from this turning of her mindset from the list of all she'd suffered to the joy of the fact that she had endured so much and was still there and still able to have input in people's lives.
0: Let me take a brief time out here. I want to pause at that point because I don't want to get too far afield here, traffic wise, but we want to put a big bow around all of this. For those of you that are eavesdropping on the conversation tonight, Cynthia Rukhti is my guest. She's been a guest on the program before, author of the newly released bestseller, Tattered and Mended The Art of Healing the Wounded Soul. Another book, too, called Ragged Hope, both of which, by the way, are available through her website at Cynthia Rukti, R-U-C-H-T-I, CynthiaRukti.com, or you can just um, look through Amazon.com. Again, the title of the book, Tattered and Mended, The Art of Healing the Wounded Soul. We'll take a brief time out. We're going to come back more of our look at how God takes all those broken pieces and makes a beautiful thing out of our life in just a moment
1: and now back to lifeline with Craig Roberts a
0: focus on helping many of us that have gone through a very difficult year or are still dealing with the memories of of past experiences it might be you know your year certainly 2015 has been my year having lost Both my parents, maybe as Cynthia suggests, your year was 2013, 2008, uh, 1956, whatever it might have been, uh, either just an incredibly uh, difficult series of events or one big long event or whatever, that kind of has you on the the defensive side. And this is not a question of uh, trying to uh, put on a happy face, as we suggested earlier, but rather, and you talk about this again in the book, Cynthia, abandon the idea of blame-fixing because it really doesn't profit a man as well at all. And then I think the, also the notion, too, is maybe part of the challenge here is that sometimes we get so caught up in the details and the minutia um, and focusing on the loss and the pain or the difficult sides of the experience that we, we can't see the bigger picture. What's the old phrase? I always get a kick out of this. They talk about uh, the work of Claude Monet. Uh, look good from afar, but uh, up close it's a mess. And, mm-hmm. and you know, that certainly is true. Maybe for a lot of us, we're having difficulty putting the, 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 the attitude of gratitude on because we're so up close in our circumstances, we get so focused on the minutia that we really can't step back and give it the perspective that God wants us to give it.
1: And there may be another element here, too, that I know is a challenge for me, but the more I... Look at it. The more I really dig into this, the more I realize that um, that there there's this very unique and very exquisite beauty that comes from the gift we give God when we praise Him despite what's going on around us. That sacrifice of praise or that sacrifice of thanksgiving is something that the Bible tells us is. One of the few things that we can give to God that will truly bless his heart, I often say and i and I believe this for my own life too, that there really is no worship that is as sweet as the song that's sung by a broken hearted person. When we worship God, when we thank him when we when we express gratitude to him, when life really stinks at the moment that's a sacrifice, but that sacrifice of praise is this rare beautiful jewel in his sight so there may be some of us who are gathering around tables tomorrow and we as you say there are places there are empty seats at the table or there are memories that come up that bring us to tears instead of laughter or maybe we're we're sitting down to a table with no turkey because we can't pay the bills with no electricity because we can't pay the light bill Praising, in spite of that, really becomes that sacrifice of praise, that gratitude that comes as a gift, a purely a gift to God, because we recognize in the middle of it that He is still God, and He, he is still faithful even when we can't see it happening around us, when we feel we have no hope we recognize he has promised that he is our hope. We don't grieve as those who have no hope like 1st Thessalonians says, but we also we don't show gratitude as those who have no hope either. We sometimes have to just purely make it a gift to God from our heart to his. I will praise you in spite of what's happening around me.
0: And as we see demonstrated uh, throughout scripture, and not only uh, the life of many of the apostles but certainly Christ himself uh, who who look at the circumstances he went through from betrayal to the experience of uh, his suffering to Golgotha and ultimately the his own crucifixion on behalf of all of us and yet he he demonstrated continuous surrender back unto the father and I think that we should be reminded that um, it's important not just to be grateful in our suffering but for our suffering Uh, Because in that and through that, as we learn to accept and embrace the life that he chooses for us, that God can be glorified, that much good can come out of what seems to be up close right now in the moment to be difficult and surmountably painful, and yet shifting our focus from us and our circumstances to him and his grace and his love can not only be tremendously freeing, but it can also give you some very important ways to be grateful. Our thanks to Cynthia Rukti, award-winning author. The book Tattered and Mended, The Art of Healing the Wounded Soul and Ragged Hope. Both books, by the way, available through Amazon.com.
1: Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Media Group. All rights reserved.